James chapter 5 will be in uh, verse 7 and uh, a few verses after that together today. Uh, if you need a Bible and you don't have one back at home, uh, these Bibles that we have in the seats, that's our gift to you. You can use it if you have one at home, but if you don't have one, consider that our gift to you and you uh, take that home and break that bad boy in. We'd be glad for you to do that. Uh, it's on page 871 in those uh, seat Bibles there. But James chapter 5, uh, this is week 9 of 10 through this little book of James. And I've just been having a great time going through this, learning a lot. I've just been personally challenged like crazy. Uh, what we've noticed along the way is that James really doesn't do a whole lot of talking about Jesus in this book. He's the brother of Jesus, but he doesn't really talk a lot about Jesus. He just really simply just gets right into what it looks like to live a life of faith in Jesus. He really just gets right into authentic Christianity. He's tired of the phonies, and so he just jumps right into it. And man, he is tough, isn't he? I mean, he has been tough, and that's why we're calling this series James Brutal Honesty from the Brother of Jesus, that he has just been brutal. He's been all up in our grill uh, for the past nine weeks together, and I'm just just loving this and challenged by it. Uh, He's just challenging us really hard about living out a real faith in Jesus, because the truth is nothing hinders the work of Jesus across the globe more than Christians, right? I mean, nothing hinders the work of Jesus across the globe more than Christians who don't live this thing out, this half-hearted, complacent, as, as the scriptures will say, lukewarm Christianity just destroys uh, the name of, of Jesus, and he will be exalted, but it's, it's a terrible thing, and James is tired of it, and he's challenging us. In fact, James goes so far as to say it's dead faith. It's actually not real faith, and you're kind of walking around thinking you're alive, but you're deceiving yourselves, he says. And so he's just been railing, 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 railing against them. And in fact, so far as to say last week, he, he calls them fat cows. What? He did. He said it. He said, you fattened your heart for the day of slaughter. (laughs) He says, you're self-indulgent, self-centered, corrupt, arrogant. He's rough, but it's rough out of necessity. But today, his tone changes a little bit. And he begins to finish out this letter. We have two more weeks together in this letter, and he finishes it out. In, in gentleness, and he moves from condemnation into consolation, and he starts to console them, and he starts to encourage them, and starts to love on Christians uh, in difficulty, and uh, maybe you can just immediately connect with that. Think about your own life, and you're just in a season of, of difficulty, and some of you guys are experiencing some very, very, very difficult things uh, right now, last night I got word that um, a young girl that uh, one of our own has been ministering to, and we're praying for, um, just some crazy stuff happening in her life, and uh, just so burdened and so broken. Um, she went, I'll just give you just a little bit to pray, um, but she went um, overseas for the summer, uh, just for the summer, to be with family, and was never given the opportunity to return, and is in some really terrible stuff. A girl that we have ministered to, one of our own, really has poured her life into this girl. And so pray for her. But it's just craziness. Difficult, difficult stuff. And some of us are facing health issues. 
uh, maybe in your own life or somebody very close to you. Some of us are facing very real, heavy financial pressure, and it's just weighing on you. Some of us are facing just career difficulties, and I've talked to some of you about that. Work is challenging, or the lack of work is just crazy on you right now and your family. Some of us are in some very real, heavy emotional struggles. Some of us are just dealing with difficulty when it comes to resisting certain sins. We're just struggling. And some of us just kind of simply just so busy, just tired. Whether it's this massive thing that you're dealing with or just kind of the daily grind that's just wearing you down. James has a word for us. And so read with me uh, James chapter 5, verse 7. The first half of the verse, 7a. Here's what he says. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers. So what's the word for us from James here? What's he call us to do? He calls us to be patient. Now this isn't trite, you know. This isn't, hey, take a chill pill. It's going to be okay. No, he's saying, listen, be patient. Be patient. And to be patient means that you wait for something. Wait for something. What are, we, what are we waiting for? It goes on. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord, and it's so appropriate for us. I love how God's timing is always amazing. He always lines things up in our services. Um, we, you know, I don't, don't, don't be fooled to be like, wow, they really got it right and lined everything up. For, we didn't. He just lined it up that we're in the midst of Advent season. We ended right here. He always lines it up and that our worship lyrics sink. So we try, but he always blows us away. And the song lyrics sink so much better than we could have ever imagined. Even as we're singing those songs, amazing, amazing. And I love the fact that we're reading this and we're in the midst of Advent season. And Advent comes from that Latin word Adventus, which means coming. And so we're celebrating the fact that Christ came 2,000 years ago, and he uh, became a man, Jesus of of Nazareth, that he's God who took on flesh, he dwelt among us, and so he knows what you're going through right now. Whatever it is, he knows it, and then some. That's why uh, Hebrews chapter 4.15 will say, as you're familiar, uh, we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Every respect. He knows the, the pressure, the pain, the the, the temptations, yet he was without sin. And so he knows your pain. He knows your struggle. Um, he's entered into it. He didn't have to, but he chose to enter into it and to experience it. Uh, that's, that's Advent. He came to do that. Yet, cool thing is, is that he's been through it all, yet he, unlike us, was victorious over it all, wasn't he? It says he was yet without sin. And so he didn't deserve the wage of sin, which is death. He laid down his life, though, and he did die, and then he resurrects victorious over Satan and sin and, and death, and then he ascends into heaven, uh, leaving us his Holy Spirit and promising us uh, to return again. And so we hope in that. We hope in his uh, return, what we would call his second advent. So we celebrate advent, we also think on his second advent. And so in this season, we celebrate and we anticipate. So we celebrate his first advent, that he came, and all that that entails, and we anticipate his second advent, that he is coming again, the coming of the Lord uh, to earth. Now, I want to be clear here. When we talk about his second advent, I want to be very clear that, that we're talking about the coming of the Lord to earth. And, and 
I'm going to talk for a minute about end times, if, if I can. And uh, it's not like, you know, some guys, that's their soapbox. It's not my thing that I love to talk on, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been said that uh, to get people to show up to your church or to get people interested in your church, you can talk about three things. You can talk about the end times, you can talk about sex, or you can talk about will there be sex in the end times, right? And we're going to just talk about the end times right now. And we're going to talk about, um, uh, just for a minute, uh, the end times, because he talks about the coming of the Lord. He talks about this. And so um, what I want to make sure we understand is that a lot of times Christians will confuse the rapture of the church with the, the second coming or the advent of Jesus to the earth. So let's talk for a minute about the, the rapture of the church. This occurs uh, prior to the second coming of, of Christ. And so First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 16, 17, and 18 says this. It says, uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, should we still be alive at the time of this event, we who are left, we uh, will be caught up. We will be together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so, according to this text, at an unknown time, we don't know, at an unknown time, the Lord will descend from heaven, but not all the way to earth. And what he will do is he will raise up believers who have died prior to this event. They will be raised up, and then he will rapture those who are living on the earth at that time, maybe us, if it happens in this lifetime, it may be, we may be the dead in Christ. But those will be caught up with him to, to meet him in the sky and be spared of the, the tribulations that are to come upon the earth. That's the rapture. But notice, he doesn't actually step foot on the earth like he did at his uh, first advent. And so this is the rapture, and a lot of people confuse that with the, the second coming. Now, the, the second coming or the second advent of Jesus to the earth comes at a, a date after that. So Zechariah chapter 14, 4 will tell us that uh, his feet at that point will actually be on the earth again. He will actually touch ground and be here on the earth again, that his feet will be on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two. Amazing. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12 and Revelation 19 tell us that he will come in power and that he will defeat his enemies. And so listen with me to Revelation chapter 19, uh, verses uh, 11 through 16. John uh, is, is given this opportunity to see the future events that are coming. He describes what he sees. He says this. He, sees, he says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he comes, and he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God, John 1.1. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. So, what are we reading here? We read that Jesus will descend from heaven again, but this time all the way to earth. He will touch earth and he will come in great power. He will come like a warrior, not on a donkey, but on a white horse. And he will judge and he will make war with his enemies. He has fire in his eyes, it says. He will be crowned with many crowns, many diadems. The armies of heaven will also be with him. He will wield a a, a sharp sword. He will have a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and and Lord of Lords that he is going to rule. He will judge and he will show his power and the injustice that we're aware of on our planet will be dealt with. Wickedness will be judged. As we we have seen in this this book of James, uh, the oppression of the powerless and of the helpless and of the weak, the abuse of, of power by the powerful will be done away with. This is the second advent of Jesus. It will be judgment for the, the enemies of God, and it will be love and compassion and mercy and grace and togetherness with him for the, the children of God, for those who have placed faith in him. And he's going to set up his kingdom, and the kingdom that has already been inaugurated will now come in power and be seen in its fullness. And then peace comes upon the earth. And like the angel and the angels declare uh, to the shepherds, great news, Savior, Christ the Lord, and on earth, peace among men. It's going to be awesome. It's the second advent of, of Jesus. So what do we do? Here we are today. What do we do? Here's what we're not going to do as a church in light of all of this. What we're not going to do is we're not going to create a big end times chart and hang it out in the back and say, look at it every day and freak out and you know, tell the world the, the, the next steps. No, listen, there's all kinds of room for various interpretations. We're not going to hold our next movie night and it's going to be the Left Behind trilogy. It's not happening. It's not what we're doing. Here's what we do. For others, what we do with all of this in view, the, the second advent of Jesus, for others, what we're going to do is we're going to plead with them to bow to Jesus now before it's too late because Scripture tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. The question is, do you do it now or do you do it when it's too late? So we tell people about Jesus. Please believe and trust in, in Jesus. And if you really believe, that this is happening and that Jesus is Lord and that he will rule and he will make things right. If you believe that, you will tell others. And people may think that you're crazy. Because if you're like me, sometimes you read it and you're like, I, I believe this. Don't, yeah, okay. I believe this. Yes, I do. And listen, it's, I understand that. We believe this. It's happening. It's so beyond us. It's so hard to fathom, but it's, it's happening, and if you love people and you believe in him, you're going to tell people. If you love them as yourself, that means I love you more than my own dignity, because you might think I'm kind of crazy, kind of weird, but I so love you more than the friendship I love you, and I want to tell you. So what do we do? For others, we share Jesus, and for us, we wait. It doesn't mean we sit on our hands and do nothing. We live out the scriptures, but we're waiting. And we're waiting aware of the second coming of Jesus. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. He's coming back. He's going to make things right. 
There is an end in sight. You will see him face to face. What you are experiencing for many of us right now, what is so heavy on your heart, it will be over. So be comforted by that. Are you comforted by that? I'm, I'm comforted by that as I think on that. Or are you afraid of that? If you're afraid of his coming, maybe you need to, to turn to Jesus and trust in him. So be patient. What's that next word? Be patient, therefore. And so when we read the scripture, we always want to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? It's cheesy, but it helps. What is the therefore, therefore? It's given in light of the injustices of verses 1 through 6 that we looked at last week. And it's really given in light of the injustices that we read about of the wealthy and the powerful, the rich and the prideful throughout the entire uh, book here. Um, It's given in light of all of that, therefore. So on this earth, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be specifically challenging to be a Christian. The the mission that God has given me and the mission that God has given you is not easy. It's not cush. It's not come to Jesus. And man, life is going to be peachy. It's going to be amazing. He's saying, brothers and sisters, it's tough to be a Christian. It's challenging to be a Christian. But therefore, know this, be patient in light of all of that, in light of the oppression of, as we we even look at verse 6 about the righteous being wrong. He's in light of all of that. Listen, be patient. He's coming back. Let's read on. Look at James 5, 1, the second half. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. So he's saying, be patient like a farmer. <laughs> you understand that totally, don't you? You know what it, what it means to be a farmer. No, we have no idea. Urban Bostonians... We walk down to the farmer's market right here. You go to the school cafeteria. You go to stop and shop. We don't know, really. We don't, you know, we don't understand. Patient like a farmer. In fact, I was at stop and shop yesterday on the way to one of our membership classes, and uh, I was grabbing a lasagna, and I'm like, there's this crazy long line backed up into the aisle. People are getting ticked off. It's just crazy. And I'm sitting here just, come on. And then I clicked. I'm preaching on patience tomorrow. This is ridiculous, Josh. Man. <laughs> Listen, we have to be patient. I mean, if a farmer needs corn, he doesn't go to stop and shop. He grows it. He works the soil. He gets the seed. He puts the seed in the soil. He covers it. He prays for rain, and he waits. He waits, and patience is, is necessary. It's, it's important, and he's saying for us, we need, to, we need to wait. We need to work, do our part, and live this out, but we also need to wait until the day that we're going to see Jesus face to face You've got to believe you're going to see Jesus face to face. I love this correlation uh, with farming that's also made in the Psalms. We've talked about it before, where it also connects life's difficulties with farming. Um, Psalm chapter uh, 126, verses uh, 5 and 6. Let me read this for you. Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says this. It says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And so we, we see this kind of farming language, the, the idea of sowing your seeds, about reaping, about, it talks about seeds in here, and about getting sheaves, which is bundles of the harvest. You bundle them up, and you have these armfuls of, of the harvest. And so many of you are in pain. And I, I, I know a lot of your stories have been talking to you. And uh, man, to be frank, in preparing this message, I found myself crying. Like, 
I don't do a lot of crying, but just for whatever reason, God just broke my heart for some of your stories, thinking about Beth and different, it's just, man, heavy. You've experienced great loss and great difficulty. Some of you have been sinned against in, in awful ways. And I'm a pastor, but I'm human. And I just, a lot of times, just feel the weight of that and say, man, I am not equipped to handle pain like that. In fact, I'm with you in that I'm perplexed by the suffering that some of you experience. I'm pained by it myself, the suffering that I experience. So I feel like, you know, I'm not totally equipped to handle the pain, but I know that Jesus is. And so I'm constantly going to point you to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. Now, I don't want to sound trite, but he says, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. He's coming. And it's all going to end. Everything that you're feeling, it's going to end. Our friend Sherdane, who came to faith through the ministry of this church, often speaks to when she was diagnosed with MS. She says, I was driving along, didn't think I could handle it, and I turn on the radio, and I hear a, TV, a radio preacher, and he said, God will not give you anything more than you can handle. I'm like, That's it, right? He won't. You be patient, and you stay, remain steadfast under, as we saw in chapter 1, under the pressure, and you're going to be strengthened. And the cool thing about God is that in his redemption, he makes all things new and makes all things right. In his redemption, he doesn't waste a single tear, does he? He doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily the one who's caused your pain. But as he is sovereign, as we saw last week, he at least allows your pain. It at least has to go by him. And so what he does in his redemption is he doesn't waste a tear. What he does is he uses all of your tears. And so according to Psalm 126 here, that every tear that falls from your eye as you're in pain says it's like a seed that falls to the ground and God is growing something beautiful out of that. He doesn't waste your tears and so you're going to come back after all of that planting, you're going to come back it says with shouts of joy. You're going to come back with sheaves, bundles of harvest that has come from the pain that you've experienced and the tears that you have shed. These massive bundles of harvest. Such a cool picture. We're going to see fruit from our tear. But first, like a farmer, patience. Right? Patience. So this message uh, this morning has not really been about doing anything. I don't like to do a whole lot of preaching about you go do anything as much as you just trust in what he has done and you hope in him and so I've just been asking and praying and preparing and crying and thinking on what this message means for us this morning I've just been asking God to inject into our congregation the hope of the second advent that he is coming back and that we would be patient and that we would we would wait we would wait for that last verse for the morning verse 8 You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He says, like the farmer, you also be patient. And establish your heart. And that phrase has just been ringing with me all week. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Is your heart established 
set on the Lord. It's easy to say, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or is your heart established on graduation? Or is your heart established on, I'm going to get married someday? <laughs> I'm looking for it. Or is your heart established with, I'm going to have a family? Or is your heart set on, I'm going to get that job? I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to get that house, that condo. I'm going to go on that vacation. Establish your heart for eternity with Jesus. Establish your heart for his coming. And so this morning, we look at the hope. We look at the hope. But next week, as we close out the book, we're going to see the help that comes as he leaves us with. Here's what you have to move forward in this. Here's some help that I leave you, verses 9 through 20. And so I want to give you a sneak peek of that because we're going to practice the help. If I can, we'll preach on it next week. But let me give you the sneak peek. Look at verse 13 and 14. 13, he tells us, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Well, you don't not sing because other people in your midst are suffering. No, you sing and you praise the Lord, right? Because that's going to encourage those who are hurting. So you just act appropriate to whatever season of life you're in. You're suffering, it's pray. You're cheerful, sing. Verse 14, is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. We're going we're gonna to talk more about that next week, but here's how I want to end. I just want to end by practicing that. We're hoping on the coming of Jesus And we're going to do what he calls us to do to make it there with patience and longevity as he talks about in in chapter 1. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and the guys are going to come up and uh, lead us in some more songs. But what we want to do is we just want to pray for those who are hurting in our midst if we can. Um, And so we're just going to kind of open up a couple of corners here and uh, uh, the pastors will stand here and here and then uh, a couple ladies are going to stand as well and just pray for whoever needs prayer. Whatever it is, you come and just let us know. We just want to pray for you, pray with you. You can certainly stand and pray where you're at, but we just want to just encourage you and pray over you. And uh, the rest of us, we're going to sing. We're going to glorify the Lord and worship him as we're commanded to do because that really encourages those who are hurting. That there's hope, and I'm going to have that smile back on my face again like my friend next to me does. And so let me pray for us, and then uh, you can come and, and pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your morning that you've given us. And we're not done. We want to keep worshiping you. We want to keep exalting you. We want to keep being the church and praying and doing exactly what you've called us to do. And so we're going to do that, Lord. And allow us not to check out in this time, but just to keep going, keep pressing into you, to pray, to be the church. And so help us in this time, Lord. Minister to us in this time through each other. As we sing, be exalted. May your people be edified. We just commit it all to you, Lord. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would just keep injecting hope of the second advent in us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand and worship with us? Pastors will be standing around.